our first creepy Halloween month episode of Why We Do What We Do 2021. I'll be your host, Hal Abraham Ween. Oh, that's good. That's good. I was not prepared for that. That made me, that filled me with so much joy. And I appreciate you so much for that. I'll be your co host, Chain. <laughs> Chain Spiker. How about Chain Iron Maiden Spiker? <laughs> yeah. Is it Iron Maiden the band? Sure. <laughs> One of my favorite things about The Simpsons is when they ch- change everybody's names for yes. the Treehouse of Horror episodes. I and I always think year. of like, James Brooks is always Chains Brooks, so that's the closest I could get. So I apologize for not being prepared for that. So that is okay. <laughs> I think that he also did James Hell Brooks because I think it's James yes. L Brooks. Yeah, yeah. There's a few really good ones, and then Matt Matt Groening is Matt Groening, and yeah, some really good ones. It's wonderful. So I'm so glad they do that. Yeah, I don't think I realize how much that influenced me until just this moment. Like <laughs> how I get excited about excited about like Halloween shows and Halloween. That makes perfect sense. Oh man, such good stuff. We're already so on track. I mean, we kind of are. So, yeah. well, welcome, listeners. If you are just joining us for the first time every year, this is, I think, our third year of doing this mm-hmm. out of the almost five years that we've been a podcast. But we decided during the month of October, we're going to do some spooky sort of Halloween-y themed episodes. And, and so this year we are keeping up with the Kardashian traditions <laughs> so, yeah, and celebrating Halloween. And this is the first time it actually occurred to us to talk about the history of Halloween. Yeah. Every time we do something spooky or creepy or something that's kind of unsettling, it makes perfect sense. And, and as we were kind of like putting this year, next year and all the years together, it was funny to kind of realize that we hadn't done that yet. So we're excited. I'm, I'm excited about this and I'm excited to get to talk about dancing too. For sure. <laughs> we get to answer the question why we do what we do trick-or-treating saying trick-or-treat mm-hmm. maybe why we do what we dress up in costumes mm-hmm. i'm phrasing this weirdly but yeah that's fine we're gonna talk about and we're gonna myth bust some things too about halloween including your common fears about razor blades and things like that that go along with this yeah the myth is that there's halloween candy without razor blades the truth is <laughs> there's no halloween candy without yep yep it's wild it's a wild time all right Shall we dig into this? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about the origins of Halloween, because that's, after all, what we're talking about here is the history of Halloween. And so it makes sense to begin at the beginning, as Morgan Freeman might say. <laughs> so uh, this is a, a tradition, a holiday tradition. It can be traced back as far as the Middle Ages to pagan Celtic culture. And they celebrated this annual fire festival, not that fire festival <laughs> yeah jaw rules jaw rules not involved in this one yeah but they were the og fire festival i guess probably not there's probably other fire festivals beforehand so pre-burning man and <laughs> pre-jaw rule we have uh something that looks like it should be pronounced sam hain but because it's gaelic it's pronounced sawain sawain yeah that- that we decided? Sa- Sa- yeah, Sawain, Sawain, Sawain. And it's not the super group that involves Danzig. It, Danzig and like members of AFI and all that. It is this like particular time of year that they celebrate. Right. And so this was the festival celebrated for the harvest in preparation for winter because winter is coming mm-hmm. and also related elements of contacting spirits of the dead, paying homage to loved ones past, some fortune telling and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So why do we celebrate? This event on October 31st. Well, Samhain occurred on the 31st, which marked the changing of the seasons. And so that's really important in the Celtic pagan culture that we're referencing when this came up. They had split the year into light and dark. And when dark overtook the light, that was the transition and change. And so it happened around this time. And so more importantly, that boundary between the worlds came to a point during this time, which allowed the closest connection to the dead. So there was like kind of a thinning of the membrane of, you know, reality and in, in afterlife and afterworld. And that's where some of these rituals came in. Now, Celts are polytheistic. So that's a fun thing that I learned just now as I read that out loud. And all associations with the dead and channeling spirits led to haunted connotations. So like that was part of it, too, is like it became kind of this spooky thing because they were contacting the dead they were celebrating loved ones who had recently passed and there's a lot of that kind of imagery around that and we'll talk about some of trick-or-treating and costumes and sort of and some of those sorts of things because we don't know all of the traditions that were practiced during Samhain during the celebration in this festival 
But one of the things that we seem that historians seem to believe was the case about these celebrations that that is that they did include dressing up and specifically to hide from the spirits that you don't necessarily want to have contact with because they're not good spirits. Right. And there was also a tradition apparently of having hollowed out gourds where you would put lights inside of them and use those as decorations of some sort. So that seems to be something that has more or less survived the ages. And then another one is playing tricks on one another, these little pranks, and then attributing those to spirits. Yeah. Doing the ones playing pranks. So you can sort of see already how much has actually survived, at least that we think that we know about that tradition. So up until the 7th century, the Christian observance of All Saints Day was on May 13th. So that was a day that was already celebrated, but Pope Gregory III moved this to November 1st in an effort to Christianize the otherwise pagan holidays. So Hallows means saints, and thus the night before was All Hallows Eve, a.k.a. Halloween. So this was an attempt to kind of move away from pagan rituals and to start bringing more monotheistic religion, especially with the overtaking of many religious practices by Christian and Catholic practices that you started to see this a little bit. Yeah, the the Christians more or less wanted to appropriate this culture to help ease people into their religion by having familiar celebrations. And so rather yeah. than saying celebrating the dead or the other world or whatever spirits might be there, it was we're going to celebrate the saints. So all saints Eve or all hallows Eve, the een at the end of Halloween is another word for Eve. So it's Saints Eve is Halloween. Yep. So you can see just sort of how that transitioned there. So to, to help bring them in, as you said, they just sort of oriented toward rather than playing tricks and attributing them to these spirits, you'd still play the tricks, but then attribute them to the saints. Yeah. And rather than celebrate the spirits, celebrate the saints. And as Ireland shifted to Christianity via St. Patrick, there was a larger focus on that All Saints Day. And this did include still celebrating with feasts, blessings, candles, and bonfires, which are large candles. Yep. And meant to help <laughs> welcome the wandering souls. I never I never thought of bonfires being large candles, but I <laughs> love that idea. Real quick as an aside, I there is a fun fact about me that people don't know. I won a pumpkin carving contest two years in a row. What? This is a thing that I can do pretty well. So if I have enough time, I love that I made one that was an angler fish. So it had really crazy, big, sharp teeth. Oh, that's such a good the idea. stem was like so wild that it actually like hung out over in front of the face. And so we like attached a little light to it and it was so good. It's a fabulous idea. Yeah. I used to really enjoy doing pumpkin carving. And the last time that I really got into it was many, many years ago now. And I was just carving logos of my favorite bands into pumpkins. <laughs> yes, I love and that. <laughs> it's for the ones that I could that were relatively simple because I definitely would not win a pumpkin carving contest with my current set of skills. I need to be <laughs> Liam Neeson to be able to do that. <laughs> the, the taking of pumpkins. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the pumpkin was taken. <laughs> I would love to see that version of taken where he's just mad at like pumpkin farmers. Or the people who like smash people's pumpkins on their their front porch. Just Liam Neeson taking out Billy Corgan. He's yeah. like, you need to stop writing records. <laughs> so with the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Melancholy and infinite sadness was fine. Leave it alone. <laughs> so when these traditions started migrating to the United States, when humans like, well, I, should, I shouldn't say humans, when white humans started showing up in the United States, <laughs> they were mostly Puritans and they resisted those Halloween's pagan traditions they resisted those but once irish and scottish folks started crossing the atlantic the holiday came with them and some of those traditions came with them as well so once again we have the irish and the scottish to thank for some of our greatest holidays <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> not being sarcastic halloween's one of my absolute favorites which is why we celebrate it on the podcast is because we sort of have a mutual love of this holiday yes so yes we're, we're not knocking him Anyway, early American colonial Halloween celebrations still included these large gatherings to celebrate the harvest, to share spooky tales, to sing and dance. And these are all things that started getting built into the culture here. But it's worth asking, why did this spread? Yeah. So Halloween has since become widespread across all of North America. If for no other reason that the candy, the decorations and fun traditions are constantly occurring, it is actually a really fun holiday, even if you don't actually celebrate kind of its roots or kind of the original meaning, right? It's just kind of a fun day to get out, 
It's a fun thing for kids to kind of dress up and pretend. One year, my son went as Mecha Godzilla, and we built a costume <laughs> literally out of cardboard, and wow. like the eyes lit up. It's Love really, that. really rad. Oh my he he's really creative. Like the one year, he also wanted to go as a hot dog ninja, and so we just went with it, and um, it went really well. <laughs> That's so cool. It was so much fun. I love that. Yeah. So how many people are staying home channeling spirits instead of trick-or-treating? Who knows? We don't really know. How many people are sitting at home with the shades drawn and pissed off? Who cares? They're fun sponges. We don't deal with those people. So we're going to kind of ignore those people when we talk about this. Now, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Some things we may never know. I believe an owl once told us it was three. I was going to say, I believe the the conventional wisdom right now is three, as long as one of those <laughs> is a large bite. Yes, yes, yes. So. It is a major lick. <laughs> Exactly. Well, part of this also is, as Adam Smith likely would have said, if you build it, they will come. And particularly <laughs> if you build a industry, they will come. So yep. part of why this spread is because it became financially lucrative for it to spread. Yeah. And we'll see as we start talking about some of the traditions of which we're all familiar regarding Halloween, things like pre-made costumes, candy that was tailored specifically toward Halloween. And this time of year, the industry grow to be worth billions. We've seen numbers estimating as high as 6.9, which I'm going to go ahead and round up to $7 billion yeah. dollar industry. And so this, there's a lot of money to be made in this. And when there's a lot of money to be made, then someone will fill in that they will, they will participate and they will join in the money-making activities. Yeah, absolutely. Like Cadbury cream eggs, which were originally an Easter candy, have now put out Cadbury scream eggs, which has a green cream on the inside of it, and they come out in Halloween. It's brilliant. And hopefully outsell the Easter ones. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's my hope. And then there's <laughs> there's things like peeps and well, we don't need to get into all the candy. There's a lot of candy. They're, they're very specific. <laughs> so much candy. Halloween candies. So we talked about this before. There are a lot of activities that go along with this, but we want to kind of dig into those Activities that we know today, because there's some things that we don't know a whole lot about previously because we didn't experience those. But why do we do certain things today? And the first thing is costumes. So costumes were originally believed to have been used in celebrations as a disguise against ghosts. But nobody was donning a Power Ranger outfit just yet. We hadn't gotten there. Could you imagine showing up in like the in medieval times dressed as a Power Ranger? You would blow people's minds. So they was definitely thought you were an alien of some kind. Yeah, or a witch and you would have been burned to the stake. That's True. for sure what would have happened. So, yeah. you know, as time went on, it became less conservatively based in representing saints and more pop icons and cultural icons and stuff like that. And it remained a fun tradition and has since evolved to what we see today in that it is highly commercialized, can be very creative, but it is, it is kind of like a pre-packaged thing that is going on now, which is kind of interesting to see. And so as this has sort of evolved and it's it's passed from tradition to tradition from location to location as people migrated around and brought it with them after it got indoctrined into sort of christian practice and that sort of thing the tradition of costumes took on various forms and meanings but one of them is as we said there was this tradition of playing pranks and that's the sort of trick part that we've talked about and want to talk about again here in a moment but the scottish and irish pranksters got the idea to dress up in scary looking garb as a way to spook unsuspecting neighbors, uh -huh. you'd have kids who are dressing up in these costumes and they would go play pranks on each other or on the neighborhood and that sort of thing. And so those silly Scots and Irish strike again. <laughs> I feel like they have such a good sense of humor. Yeah. And then, as you said, the, essentially it started off, the costumes could kind of be anything. Uh, we imagine that probably back in the days of the fire festival that they were wearing animal skins and more or less dressed up to blend in with nature. As it moved into other traditions, they would just have on either fancy garb or they would wear, you know, specific outfits that didn't necessarily have a purpose outside of the tradition. And they got more and more iconic of other things, such as spooks and ghosts and creeps and yeah the mythological creatures and that sort of things and then once they became commercialized and you could buy pre-made costumes when i was a kid and i think this is still a thing you could actually buy essentially a template for making costumes mm -hmm. and then you would sew the costume and put it together yourself and now we have amazon uh you can just order costumes and then we yep every year the the spirit of halloween pop-up stores find your nearest recently vacated blockbuster and and turns that into a halloween emporium yeah that lives there for like two months and then they disappear yeah now ours is in the old pier one there you go <laughs> i think ours is actually right now in the old 
old Navy store <laughs> that is no longer oh, there. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that happens. Right. So another activity you'll see a lot of during this time is bobbing for apples. Okay. And so bobbing for apples, it was originally a fortune telling game where essentially the apples represented all of a woman's suitors and whatever apple the woman bit into represented who she was to marry. So, uh, you know, I guess it was kind of like, you know, an old timey form of Tinder. <laughs> That's right. Apple Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> Macintosh is working on that right now. Yeah. Oh, I, I would be shocked if they were not. Yep. So Halloween was also casually believed to be a good vibe for matchmaking. So, you know, prom night, that's probably why homecoming happens around this, you know, makes sense. I did see some images of people doing a sort of a, what looked like maybe morphed into bobbing for apples where they were hung from a string. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if that's how it started, which would make a lot more sense than dunking your head into a shared tub of water. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where no, you're thanks. using your mouth to try and fish things out of the water that other people have been biting. I imagine that's a tradition that's probably going to go away if it hasn't already. I was going to say, in a post-COVID world, I imagine shared liquids at all have probably left left our repertoires. Yeah. Hey, would you like to try this? Let me just spit mine into your mouth. <laughs> oh, oh, God. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about this other tradition that we have been alluding to, and we have lots of sand, which is trick or treat. Mm-hmm. And how this one has sort of evolved. So as we mentioned, people dressed up as saints even before that, where they're dressing up as animals. And when they were they were playing pranks on one another, when they were dressed up as saints, they would sing songs and poems door to door while asking for soul cakes, which apparently were similar to biscuits and that sort of thing. Yeah. And otherwise, they would just sort of the idea was that they would just sort of play these little pranks. I imagine that they should have been harmless and maybe some of them weren't like razor blades. Just kidding. Yeah. But that's what more or, less, more or less what was happening is as a masked individual, you could kind of get away with doing these silly little pranks and that sort of thing. And that was part of the trick part of it. Yeah. And so then essentially what happened was you could do these tricks or households would say, no, I don't want you to do a trick. I'm going to bribe you away. That's you right. know? And it's essentially what that's what ends up happening. So when candy became more commonplace in the U.S. during the mid 20th century after World War Two, I mean, you started seeing more candy stores. You see, started seeing sugar more available and all that. Handing out candy became a way for each household to protect their home from being pranked. So in short, candy is a bribe to keep the toilet paper and eggs away. And we literally live in an 80s teen movie, essentially, is what that is. <laughs> it is bonkers. I mean, I've never seen, I've never lived in a house that's been egged or toilet papered. However, I do know that it still happens or has happened. Sure. So essentially, what ends up happening is trick-or-treating is arguably a completely coercive one-day takeover by American youth on the country's adults. It's give me what I want or you will suffer the consequences. <laughs> it is not fun, right? So it's kind of like an amateur purge nation. Also, you know differential reinforcement work so it's a it's proof that like asking instead of just doing something might work a little bit better yeah so that's essentially what trick-or-treat means someone says either i'm gonna play a prank on you or you can give me candy and so when those little four-year-olds with the help of their mother walk up to my door i should be like kicking them off my step and be like you ain't playing your pranks on me (laughs) not here that's between you and your god you become like real like real animated about it it's really interesting watching abraham on halloween Just kidding. I love uh, I love handing out. I actually keep uh, I, I've kept data on how many trick or treaters we've gotten over the last four or five years. Yeah. So it's gotten I, better or worse. It was initially on a decreasing trend and then it now was on an increasing trend before COVID happened. And now and then yesterday or yesteryear last year, uh, we elected to just not participate at all. Also knowing that there's going to be very few people. So assuming we ever get back to a place where we're doing things like this tradition again than i expect it to maintain its increasing trend yeah but it helped me get an idea of how much candy to buy i mean that makes sense i love that now one thing that is sure to happen is whenever you have a celebration for any reason of any kind be it because it's a day of the week or because there is a specific <laughs> festival that happens people will will drink to that and of so course. halloween is the fifth largest drinking day in america and by large i mean has the most amount of that yeah. So fifth largest, not the largest, but so in case you're wondering that that list, of course, includes such major traditions, historical traditions as Super Bowl Sunday, Mardi Gras, Cinco de Mayo, which is whatever <laughs> <laughs> Labor Day. And then, of course, Independence Day in the United States, which which is uh, July 4th. And then the probably most heavily consumed alcohol day is St. Patrick's Day. And then I think imagine the night before Thanksgiving, 
is, is probably gonna be another one and that way you can hook up with your high school ex on accident yeah like when you're back in town and you're seeing family and all that fun stuff so yeah now the, th- the thing with this is it's a consumer holiday now like it used to have some polytheistic rooted traditions but now it's kind of evolved and morphed into a consumer holiday like valentine's day there's an entire industry devoted to that and we've kind of talked about that and you'll see numbers ranging from 7 billion to 8 billion somewhere in there and that's per year right it's a hefty hefty industry making a lot of money a lot of money so let's talk about this gourd carving thing where we uh, take a piece of food and hollow it out and stick fire inside of it because it's a thing that we can do. And only use the seeds and not the actual fruit from it. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're making a pumpkin spice something because people get very upset if their pumpkin spice does not contain pumpkin. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like pumpkin spice is just really cinnamon, allspice, nutmeg and cardamom and stuff. It's not there's no pumpkin in it most of the time. Yeah. And this is. <laughs> A conversation that happens every single year on the news, the anchors get on and they're like, did you know pumpkin spice doesn't even have pumpkin? And I'm like, yes, I remember that from last year and the year before that and the year before that. I don't think that that fact has changed. And honestly, who cares that poultry seasoning does also not contain chicken. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> if you go buy a box of stovetop stuffing and you buy the pork flavor, there is not a single ounce of pork in it. It's the it's the only vegetarian option that you can get. There's actually even beef bullion that has no beef in it. It's actually vegetarian as well. Yeah. So it's mostly salt. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. It's salt and oil usually. (laughs) But in this case, as you mentioned, there are just other spices. So, But that has nothing to do with pumpkin carving. Let's talk about pumpkin carving. Yeah, we were supposed to be talking about pumpkin carving, and I I had to to throw my PSA about pumpkin spice, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's just a normal thing. As we said, this was done with hollowed out gourds. There was large turnips and other things, and this was part of that tradition in Ireland and Scotland. But as the pilgrims came to the to what became the United States and they encountered pumpkins for the first time, and these were easier to carve than turnips because turnips are not quite so hollow. Yeah. And the name Jack-O-Lantern comes from European folktale about a blacksmith named Jack who offended St. Peter and tricked the devil. So... Probably with a violin, I'm guessing, or a fiddle. Sounds about right. Yeah, that's how the story goes by Johnny Cash. (laughs) And he was denied in both heaven and hell, which quite an accomplishment, I think. (laughs) So, yeah, we took the embers of hell and put them in a turnip to light his way between the two worlds. Damn, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, that's an intense story. You know what, though? I kind of love that that's the story of it. Like, it's like this wholesome thing where it's like, look, I made a Jack Skellington out of a out of a gourd. And it's like, do you know he has to light his way between the worlds because he's he's forever in purgatory? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, can I have my ribbon now? Because I won the contest. That's what. <laughs> OK, that's, that's, I want to bring that up. Yes. I see. I was like, ribbon. Oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. First, first place. First yeah. place. Perfect. <laughs> Two years in a row. <laughs> that's my biggest accomplishment. It's not it's not finishing my degree or getting my board certification. It's the fact that I won a pumpkin carving contest. All like, about it. I put that up there. I ranked that. Yeah. Love it. So there are similar holidays other places in the world. So first you've got Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead in Mexico and Latin American countries. And it starts on October 31st and ends on November 2nd most of the time. It honors the dead. And the belief is that the departed return to their homes each year on Halloween. And so you might see some common practices, including preparing an altar at the home commemorating the deceased with pictures, with candy, with flowers. Candles and incense are used to help draw the spirit back home, and a wash basin is prepared to help the spirit wash up before a feast. First of all, quick side note: everybody should go watch Coco. It is beautiful. Yeah, that fantastic. was a very that was a cool movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Another thing too is what you might see during this time is like family members might go visit the gravesites of their families and have picnics and meals and share a day in cemeteries and gravesites with their families who have passed on and have been buried in certain places. Yeah, really cool way. I I like that tradition. It's probably worth maybe digging into that a bit deeper down the road at some point, really understanding Dia de los Muertos, because there's a lot of also very beautiful imagery associated with that. So, yeah, it's not designed to be morose. It's supposed to be celebratory and like light and fun. Like it's not supposed to be creepy and scary. It's supposed to be like really celebratory. Yeah. Many people will know because thanks to uh, Alan Moore and the movies is uh, Guy Fawkes Day which is the 5th of November. Remember, remember, remember. Yeah, yeah. And so this includes fireworks and bonfires that are used throughout the country. Halloween ceased to be common in England during Martin Luther's Protestant Reformation. I mean, with no saints adoration, no need to have a holiday to celebrate them. Right. And Guy Fawkes Day became a celebration to commemorate the execution of the English quote-unquote traitor Guy Fawkes, one of the earlier libertarians. 
Yeah, if you're not familiar with Guy Fox, Fox was a member of a Catholic group that tried to blow up the parliament building on November 5th, 1606 to remove King James, who was a Protestant, from power. Traditions in some form began that very evening as he was executed. So later on, kids would make effigies of Fox to be burned and walk the streets asking for, quote, a penny for the guy, end quote. But keeping the money for themselves this is the closest approximation to trick-or-treating that is occurring or has occurred for around this holiday. Yeah, for, for a separate holiday altogether yeah which i mean pretty much any holiday where you can go around asking people to give you free candy i imagine people are gonna or or free money <laughs> yeah also good. yeah totally might be reasonable might happen all right halloween in ireland the origin place there are bonfires that are lit children dress in costumes go trick-or-treating attend parties play games there's bobbing for apples treasure hunts card games are all common i could definitely get on board with some of that yeah a popular food is barn back or in gaelic that's probably pronounced snack food yeah yeah it's like yeah because <laughs> dinner none of the letters make sense yeah it's just called dinner <laughs> the barn back is a fruit cake that sometimes hides a fortune telling ring which kind of reminds me of the um what's that that cake the, the I, king's cake that king's cake yeah yeah hiding toys and food or shivs you know well humans have a long <laughs> tradition of hiding things in food like we like stuffing things in food. It's like that episode of Simpsons where Homer orders like, I'll have your first finest dish stuffed with your second finest dish. And the, and the waiter goes, excellent, sir. Lobster stuffed with tacos. That sounds right up Homer's alley. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, it hides a fortune telling ring, a piece of straw, etc. There's just random stuff they cram in there. Apparently sort of like Jim putting <laughs> things in jello on the office. Yeah. And then there's Ding Dong Ditch, also known as Nakadali. Uh, as a popular prank, yeah, trying to get people's attention by knocking on the door and then running away because, ha ha ha, they answer the door. What a fool! Yeah, yeah, got him. That's what, that's pretty much what they're doing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's so fun. But I love I love that though. Like I mean, you don't see as many pranks going on in the years to come. I mean, except for like scaring and stuff like that. Like you or like you don't see that kind of today. It is mostly treats. So that's kind of a it may, it's become like this a little bit more wholesome, a little less uh, aggravating for people for the community at large. I think. And you want to be careful if you are trying to play pranks in the United States anyway, because we are one of the more heavily armed countries, and uh, uh-huh. some people are very low tolerance for pranks. Yeah, especially in Florida, stand your ground. That's a, that's a thing that happens here. Florida maintains the right to kill a lot of people. That's yeah. like their whole bag. For like any reason. Yeah. I mean, they'll kill them with disease. Yeah. Kill them with alligators. Yeah. What have you. There's that video that that person that threw an alligator into a drive through window. Yeah. You know, starting ranches with tigers. Yeah. All kinds yeah. Of that's all here. That's all here. It's <laughs> wild here. It's wild here. The wild, wild Southeast. <laughs> Yeah, wild, wild Southeast, wild, wild swamp. So there are some object- objections to Halloween, as you could imagine, if we're talking about celebrating the dead and, and, and you know, Congress with de- the devil and all those things. And the first opposition comes from Christians. And that's not to say all Christians. That's just to say, like, that's kind of a demographic that tends to protest us a little bit. So in a blog post on faithgateway.com, Christian follower Lisa Pennington writes about her family's abstinence from Halloween. She says their priority is to glorify Christ above all else and that they believe Halloween traditions are grounded in evil where, you know, it's manifested by haunted houses, ghostly imagery and associations with worshiping the occult and thereby Satan. So there are some just too close. It's too close for comfort for some folks is is pretty much what she's saying. And acknowledge that costumes and candy are harmless, but they're also not behavior that glorifies God. So, quote, how much are we willing to sacrifice for a good time? Is this the best way to honor Christ? End quote. It's sort of the the acknowledgement there. It's all kind of ironic too, because Christianity helped bring in and popularize what turned into a more Anglican sort of holiday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like I think that's like funny. It's like, no, nah, we did this, but we don't like this anymore. Yeah, take backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like it's like remodeling your bathroom and then like being like, nope, take it back. I don't like it. <laughs> Sorry, why did you do this to my bathroom? <laughs> I don't even like this tile. You ordered this tile. You you specifically ordered it. You put in this order and you liked it and you kept praising me while I put it up. And now it's up. You don't like it. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. One star on you. <laughs> <laughs> so alternatively, they turn off their porch light and spend time together talking about God's role in their lives, playing games and sharing the night together. So that sounds fairly wholesome. So if you elect not to participate, that's perfectly fine. Nobody's going to be mad at you for it. They've attempted to circumvent the holiday by, you know, setting up a different family tradition that's that's appropriate for them. Yes. Followers of some religions believe the holiday represent mischief, satanic values, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Probably not worth getting into at the moment, but maybe is not what other people think. That's probably an episode for 2023. Yes, there you go. 
that would be a a weird cold bath of a Halloween episode of like, oh, let's talk about <laughs> Satanism, and it's like not at all what you expect it to be. Yeah, exactly. It, it takes it takes a lot of turns. Yeah, not that we're Satanists, or maybe we are. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll find out in 2023. Anyway, there's pagan values. And anyway, this uh, serves no holy purpose, so it's not celebrated. This includes such faiths as Jehovah's Witnesses, Orthodox Jews, Muslims, Evangelical Christians, some Hindus, Mormons, more fundamentalists, and, you know, various, you know, those, you, you have that uncle who started their own church, that sort of thing. They probably don't <laughs> celebrate Halloween, those kind of, you know, that, that demographic. Yeah, exactly. There, there are some folks that don't celebrate it, but for the most part, in the United States, we see a lot of people celebrating it. Now, Another thing about this is ensuring that people who want to participate can participate. So there are some ways that folks have made Halloween more accessible for people with special needs. So there's some really great movements towards this. So acknowledgement within the communities of special needs children that Halloween can be adapted and planned so that they can participate has been kind of, you've been picking that, that's been picking up a lot in the last few years. There's been a lot of discussion around ensuring that folks with special needs can access the types of activities that folks who are commonly practicing can do, right? So why should we leave anybody out of the fun? So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the adaptations that we're seeing that can allow folks, you know, and, and some this is some of the folks that we work with in, in our populations that we do, or at least I work with, working with folks with ASD. These are some different modifications that we can do to help them access these types of community events. Yeah. So making this more accessible to a greater number of people. So a lot more people can participate and enjoy the celebrations. We got from Julie Augustin from ABA Behavioral Specialists suggests a few tips for parents of kids with autism or probably many other neurodiverse diagnoses to allow them to have a safe and successful holiday. And so we'll list through those. One of those is to practice, specifically practice wearing and tolerating a costume because that might be uncomfortable for them. Practice holding a bucket or pail or pillowcase, some kind of receptacle for receiving candy. Mm -hmm. Practice knocking on doors, saying trick or treat, choosing one item, walking in a group, all kinds of things that you can do to just help them get ready for the traditions. And a lot of those things might not necessarily feel comfortable or come easy. So it, it is worth spending the time to just build a little bit of familiarity and and getting used to that sort of thing. And you can also get a neighbor to simulate the whole process with you so that you, they're going to a neighbor's door. Or, you know, alternatively, you could watch a, have them watch a video of this. That can be an effective way of doing some teaching. So just helping to ease them into the process by having them become familiar with the sort of steps, traditions, and activities associated with participating in the celebration. I've done this with some learners and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to work with the neighbors to be like, hey, we're going to come knock on your door and they're going to ask for some candy. So help help us out. Help us out. Work That's on awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And in the first year that we did that, the gal was super successful. So cool. that practice was super, super helpful for that person. Now, to whatever extent applicable, you want to provide information ahead of time. So uh, it's only pretend people will be dressed up as familiar characters and things. You can use a visual schedule. There's a lot of like ways to kind of set it up so that the rules or the expectations of trick-or-treating are present. And that way, there's not as many surprises while you're out and about. Speaking of which, yeah, the, there can be a lot of surprises. There can be some sort of jumping out or, you know, some surprising costumes, some surprising behaviors, that sort of thing. And so as an alternative to participating in trick-or-treating to avoid those, those surprises and startling and catching them off guard, you can do a, just a candy swap with friends or at home. You can have the child help pass out candy instead of going around collecting candy, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Maybe I, I haven't been to one of these, but I imagine the trunk or treat yeah. things that people do out of their cars might feel a little easier because you don't, you can kind of see everything right out in front of you. Yeah. So those are some ways also, I think, to help have them participate in a way that's safe and comfortable. Yeah. So there are a lot of different things that you can manipulate and change and makes, make it so that those circumstances are easier for folks. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's like, it doesn't have to be a traditional thing where you're walking around at night in a neighborhood that you don't know, knocking on a stranger's door and asking for candy. It doesn't have to be that. <laughs> you can still enjoy the the festivities and the activities while still kind of make, making sure it's it, it works for that person. I love describing it that way, though. That, that does sort of bring home that it's sort of an odd thing that we do <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very weird it's a very weird thing when you it, think about it it's dark i'm gonna dress up with this marvel character and go knock on a stranger's door and ask him yeah, for food yeah it's it's dark i'm gonna put on a mask and ask for food i've never met this person in my life and i'm gonna do it with a group of my friends so we can intimidate this person because again it's coercive we can intimidate this person into giving us candy or we do something to them 
It'd be a really fun social media campaign to have people sort of try and describe Halloween in the least appealing <laughs> sounding way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Hashtag ruined Halloween or something, just as you described it. <laughs> I put on a mask covered in blood and asked for food from people that don't know me. <laughs> Yay. I love that. I wonder if we can get that started. That's our challenge. This is coming out the first week of October. Our challenge is to have people respond to that hashtag. Hashtag ruined Halloween. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Tag us in it too. That'd be fun. Please. All right. So let's talk some more about uh, sort of what's going on here. I think one of the things to know is there is a lot of sort of social engagement in this, the understanding why people continue to participate in this, why we think it's so much fun. There's something to gain from dressing up, being scary, clever, funny, being a sexy whatever, you know, that's become a thing <laughs> for Halloween is like be a sexy avocado or a sexy cat or a, a sexy car, whatever it is you're going to do. It yields a particular reaction from your target group of people. I've seen people dress up in costumes you could definitely only find in an adult store. Yep. And things of that nature. But and so people get they get to have fun with it in whatever way that sort of makes sense for them and their group of people. Can I just say out loud, I don't want to see like sexy versions of like children's video game characters. Like I don't need to see a sexy Mario. Like that's an <laughs> odd you know what I mean? That's an odd thing. That's fair. I or, know, like sexy Sonic? Like weird. Yeah. There there's been a few of them. There's, you know, I think Pretty much that adjective has been placed in front of every conceivable thing that could be a costume at this point. Yeah. And some of them are basically just like you're in underwear and you're wearing like a thing on your head that says what you're supposed to be like. That's yeah, what, like that's sexy Dwight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is just short, short brown shorts and a yellow shirt and then like a bad haircut. And the yellow shirt's just a tube top. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so another part of this, too, is that there's some delayed gratification and negotiation, right? You can't have all the candy up front. So there is like this component where it's like you get this bag of candy. You want to eat all of it when you walk in. You can't have it all up front. You have to save. You have to discount. You have to do all these things. And inevitably, what you're going to do is you're going to trade the candy you don't want and the candy that you don't like for others that you do. You're going to find that person that likes those weird little black and orange peanut butter toffee things that people get that nobody knows where they come from <laughs> or the circus peanuts that nobody knows where you buy them. But people somehow keep having them like it's like I feel like when you hit a certain age. All of a sudden, you just get gifted an endless supply of like strawberry candies and circus peanuts and those toffees because they don't you can't find them anywhere. It's a very strange thing. Somebody has got like a Cold War bunker where they've just got massive supplies of these that they pull out just for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. We used to chew this. This is gum made of wallpaper glue <laughs> and lead. Delicious in lead. Mm, mm, good luck. Yeah, but that's but there's like this delayed gratification piece where it's like you kind of like pick and choose what you want to eat. You save what you can. Like there's there's a lot of like really fun stuff within that when you think about it to prevent you from getting a stomach ache. Maybe it's a good way to practice learning how to budget. So you're like. Don't, yeah. don't blow it all at once. Exactly. But then they, then you have kids who have like a bucket of candy for a full year because yeah. it's like the stuff they don't eat. Then they're eating rotten candy. Yeah, they're eating rotten candy. There was one year where I took all the sweet tarts that I could get that I got that year. Like the sweet tarts were like I, one of my favorites. As many as I could. And my cousin and I were like, how many sweet tarts can you eat at the same time? And we were like 13. Um, and he stuffed 54 sweet tarts in his mouth at the same time. Oh, well, my gosh. But because... Because my head is much larger than his, I was able to stuff 74 in my mouth. Whoa. And it hurt. It hurt so much. I do not recommend that. It's like eating one giant warhead and it just will make your whole mouth so sad. You can't <laughs> drink anything that's got like carbonation or spice on it. You can't do that for like a week. By the way, Shane has no real teeth left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 I, I lost those when I was 13. I have dentures. And it was, it was all, all because <laughs> of sweethearts. Thanks, sweethearts. All right. Let's talk about some of those myths of Halloween. Yeah. So that's a favorite of ours on the show is dispelling myths. Totally. So we're going to do that. The first thing is the tampered with candy. There's always that police warning about tampered candy. Anything from marijuana to razor blades to poison or also known as Halloween sadism. I don't know if I got it. But if I got like a Kit Kat or like a Reese's cup that was like marijuana laced, I'd be pretty stoked. I was going to say that. that would actually be pretty rad. I'm like, who's giving away marijuana in such massive quantities that you like this stuff's expensive. <laughs> like, right. People are like trying to dig out the ashes to smoke the ashes to get high when they're like running low and they're yeah. like, just putting it in kids candy for some reason. Like, who does that? Yeah, nobody's really doing that. Let's be real. Even before there was tampering with candy, there was a myth in the 1950s about pennies being heated on skillets and then dumped into kids hands Oh, for some reason. Fears of uh, candy tampering rose significantly in the 1980s. 
when Tylenol bottles were spiked with cyanide, resulting in several deaths, which resulted in a wave of safety protocols that were introduced. There used to not be such a thing as like packaging. Anything on the shelf, you could just unscrew and like you could. Yeah. <laughs> like there was nothing. There was no seal on it. There's no anything. I mean, there have been some legitimate things where people have poisoned medicine. Specifically, I think it was aspirin. I remember, and I think this took place in Chicago. There was a thing. So yeah, that's a, a fear that then got created that leaked into Halloween as well. Yeah. Now, in 2011, Harris Interactive conducted a poll that found that 24% of parent respondents feared their kids' candy was tampered with. And I'm looking at that stat and I'm like, I know I've been cautious, but I don't know that I've been fearful because I have my kids and they'll do that. I'm like, just check to make sure it's not open. That's all I say. Like, just if it's open, don't eat it. Like, just be safe. Yeah. Right. If it's an open piece of candy, and I would say that anywhere, if somebody hands you an open piece of candy that you don't know, do not eat that. Right. I would say that to adults. You don't know what's in that. What are you doing? However, there is very little evidence that this is a thing that happens everywhere. Like there are very, very small instances that it does happen here and there, but it is not a widespread like satanic panic type of thing that you see people talk about. Yeah, as far as we can tell, it's either extremely rare or hasn't actually ever happened. It's just been myths like Nicki Minaj's cousin's testicles. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine being her cousin right now? Like, how bummed would you be? Everybody talking about your nuts all swollen on live TV. I know, right? God, how embarrassing. That's a HIPAA violation. Actually, it's not because Nick... Because Nikki's not a a healthcare provider, so she can share that if she wants to. Yeah, I guess if if she's got the platform, that's... (laughs) in japan in the 1980s a crime ring began rumors that they would poison candy if candy companies didn't pay ransoms initially it was a bluff but cyanide was found in some candy on the shelves later on however no one died and that candy was caught but the criminals were never found so look out world (laughs) cyanide reese's are on your way the yakuza is coming for our halloween candy (laughs) (laughs) humans are wild i mean this is just wild stuff and that's why we that's why we do this show because Human beings are very interesting. So there are a few stories that we do want to share. And this is probably where some of that like panic around some of the the, the scary candy comes from. So uh, a five-year-old in Detroit in 1970 died from heroin-laden candy. So that was a thing that happened. And an eight-year-old in Pasadena died from cyanide poisoning in his candy. Or did they? Ooh. There's your trick. Fooled you. There's your trick. This five-year-old in Detroit was actually killed, was in fact killed by heroin, but it came from his uncle's stash. It wasn't laid in his candy. He got into something he wasn't supposed to get into. Yeah. And then the boy in Pasadena was murdered by his own father for insurance, which resulted in a guilty verdict for a murder and his own execution. So uh, neither of those had to do with candy. That is that is rough stuff. That guy that definitely wins Worst Father of the Year award for uh, yeah whatever year that took place. Other supposed death by candies have been disproved either by being linked to other conditions or causes or other circumstances. You know, people just leaning on the the rumor to, to try and fear monger. At best, the rare occurrences of weird objects found are merely pranks, maybe even mistakes here and there, but really not people looking to inflict catastrophic terror. I think the conditions and the, the likelihood of that seems to be extremely small to zero. Yeah, so our fears of poison here are incredibly irrational. It's more likely to get hit by a car in a poorly lit neighborhood while wearing a dark costume that's hard for the driver to see than it will be for you to get poisoned. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 43% of Halloween fatalities between 2011 and 2013 involved a drunk driver. I was going to guess that 43% didn't involve a drunk driver. That Well, I mean... It's pretty close. 50, 50, 57. 57. Yeah. <laughs> 57% involved a not drunk driver. You know, you're more likely to get hit by a car than get cyanide in your Reese's cup. Yeah. So Halloween is the devil's day. That quote that might be said by one who completely misinterprets the Power Rangers out- outfit, Starburst <laughs> and the movie Hocus Pocus. Certainly some people use that as sort of a gimmick for things, but um, there is a, a long complicated history that actually seems to have little to nothing to do with demons or worshiping the devil or evil in any capacity whatsoever it actually seems like more than anything it was a celebration of winter harvest and honoring those loved ones who have passed and that's more or less how it's been used over time so the emphasis on the devil came from again fear-mongering more contemporary sources People may have a particular faith that's associated between that's associated things between Halloween and everything from human sacrifices to devil worshiping. And you have a lot of people that like will absolutely kind of lean into that idea and like make it so it seems like that. I mean, all you got to do is just listen to any album by the Misfits. (laughs) Indeed. All they talk about is dressing up in black cats and human sacrifice and all that. But they do it like with such a pop sensibility. It's like really easy to 
like that band, even <laughs> though you don't like the people in that band. The Samhain celebrations predate Christianity and any reference to Satanism. So they didn't have origins in satanic types of rituals. Now, while some of these darker images are indeed celebrated by some satanic groups year round, they do not by any means represent the origins of Halloween, which is at this point merely a commercialized night of fun for all ages. So there's no religious ties to this at this point. And I think to be fair, originally there were some animal sacrifices, but I think that those were mostly made in the context of the feast. So it was more like if you're going to have a feast and for a lot of human history, people have, have eaten animals in some capacity. Yeah. That that was part of that feast. And so you could call it a sacrifice. You could also call it dinner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so <laughs> just don't call me late. I love that. I was waiting for that dad joke. It's so good. This this is where we're at. That We're at that space now. Now. There is the conversation about animal abuse that goes along with this. And we talk about, you know, because this is something that happens. You talk about the sacrifices and all that. So in Chicago, the Animal Welfare League hides all the black cats and rabbits shortly before Halloween and does not allow them to be adopted until after Halloween passes. This is due to fears that the animals will be used in horrific rituals. So maybe the Christians are right. But why did these fears arise to begin with? So in the 80s and 90s, 1980s and 1990s, since we're talking about the 1600s too, so we might make sure we're clear in the right century. People feared satanic cults who would torture animals and commit other cruel acts. Now, are we seeing a trend here of general parent paranoia in the 80s? Yes, indeed. No fun is allowed. That's how you get the West Memphis Three, who were wrongly convicted, and all the things that go along with the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. This is why This is why you have like ratings on CDs and stuff. And so this whole practice of othering, creating an us versus them, creating a like, we need to associate this thing with evil so that we can ban it because it's not you know, as in line with what we want, what what we think should represent our values, that that is what created the problems. Like because of that, you get harm and not because harm existed is because you created a fear of the harm and therefore a harm followed. Yeah. Not you specifically, Shane or listener, but I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I don't scare people with Halloween, but, you know, maybe but I'm wrong. That that fear mongering that took place is what has resulted in harm. Yeah, absolutely. So. With that being said, now we know the history of Halloween. We know kind of the myths that have been debunked. We know all those. It's probably a good time to do take on points unless you have anything to add to myths. I think we're good. Let's do take on points. All right. So Halloween is a generally secular holiday that predates the spread of Christianity. Yes, some Satanists get super into that time of year, but they also do that stuff year round. They do it all the time. Now, they give Halloween a bad rep unfortunately, but it should be a fun day and night for everyone to dress in silly outfits and indulge in candy. You got to keep those dentists working. There's a dentist around the corner from my parents' house called Dr. Quack <laughs> who would accept candy for, uh, he would trade in candy for dollars. It's awesome when you get names like that. There's the one in the office where he, he's making up the name of his dentist and calls him Crentist. <laughs> and says, yes. That sounds an awful lot like dentist. And he says, maybe that's why he became a dentist. But that's <laughs> fun, funny enough. My dentist's name is Dr. White. And you'd think <laughs> you that go. that was a joke, but it's not. It works. Yeah. Just just happened to work out that way, which is great. As we said, <laughs> myths about the, the tampered candy, the candy that has been tampered with, it's been around for decades. It seems to be overblown panic. There doesn't seem to be any weight to these claims, really. Again, if there have been instances, they're extremely few and far between. If they have existed at all, most of the ones that have existed were misattributed from something else, I guess. So there was an accident that took place, and then they blamed it on Halloween candy when it was not that. So yeah. rest assured, you are most likely okay. Nobody's giving away their weed. Like, that's just not a thing that's happening. Yeah, I highly doubt not. that anyone's giving away their heroin. Yeah. And so for the most part, like, I think as Jane said, don't eat opened candy and otherwise you're probably fine. Yeah. And it's just a good general rule for food. Don't eat open packages if you, unless you opened it yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're like, open it. Oh, this one's spoiled. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's probably that person out there. It's like, oh, I can't wait to eat this. Oh, oh I opened it. It's done. <laughs> Now, when you get that knock on the door, do not be that person who gives out pencils. How dare you? This is about fun. Don't be a fun sponge. Broccoli. Don't suck up all the fun. Yeah, don't hand out broccoli. Don't hand out apples. Like, I mean, come on. Like, that's all I can say with that. Come on. <laughs> I personally wouldn't mind, but that's that's. I mean, me. pencils are fine. <laughs> if I were a kid at the time I was trick-or-treating and I got like, yikes, pencils, I'd probably be pretty stoked. And then returning to this conversation of people who have autism or other disabilities who are out trick-or-treating, be kind to all types of kids who come by. 
Some kids are shy. Some are doing it for the first time. Some may have practiced quite a bit to build the skills needed for trick-or-treating and they're just trying them out. Everyone should get to enjoy Halloween. So just be nice to those people. That's my my plea. Yeah. Also, too, another thing that I want to I want to emphasize on this while we're talking about being kind to people. If a 16 year old kid walks up to your door and knocks and says trick or treat, give them candy. This is this is their childhood. They This is the last years they'll get to be a kid before they have to join the workforce and like live these lives where they have to pay bills and shit. So like, just give them candy. It's fine. Like, it will be fine. Who cares if they didn't dress up? They are out and they're participating. They're probably spending time with their friends. Let them live. Do not be a fun sponge. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Don't be buzzkill. Relax. Have fun. Halloween is back in 2020. It's fall and costumed and masked. Yes. So we're going to have so many recommendations that have to do with cider and pumpkin pie and all the great things that are coming. I'm so excited and scary movies. We're going to talk about scary movies at some point in time too, Perfect. just as recommendations. Cause we already talked about that as an episode. Let's do a quick listener mail. So this comes from Celeste. She writes, hello folks. I wanted to offer an episode suggestion trauma from, for natural disasters and why people stay in areas with natural disasters. She goes on to say she lives in Louisiana, which was severely impacted by hurricane Ida uh, where she was at. She says, I'm sure Shane can attest to hurricane experiences because he is in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He backs that up. She says her partner and I stayed in the storm. And while they were extremely fortunate to have the means to repair their house, they were still very shaken up afterward. And many people ask them why they continue to live in Louisiana. I made her want to delve into the psychology of, of sort of home, the idea of home. Yeah. Which can mean different things to different people. I think that's a really cool idea. So thank you for writing in. I really like that idea. We actually had kind of a related topic of why people like to live in really rural areas. And now we have this one of like why people live in sort of high danger areas. So I'm kind of seeing a suite of episodes around why people choose their living locations and having those to- those topics sort of themed around high risk locations like by a volcano. Yeah. Places where you have earthquakes as well as places that seem like really out of the way. These are super, super rural communities and areas. And I think the, the, that's a fun topic. So thank you for writing in Celeste. I think that's a really great topic. And as somebody who lives in a place where natural disasters occur a lot, what I would say is that no matter where you live, there's probably a natural disaster that you deal with. And that's something I've learned. It's like I, it's talking to people. I'm like, uh, you know, I've got friends in California. They're like, why do you live with there's hurricanes? I'm like, I don't have earthquakes. <laughs> so, you know, like, are my friends in the North that are like, I can't imagine living in the heat. I'm like, it's snow. You have blizzards. We don't have blizzards. So like everywhere's got like a thing. Yeah. So that's one thing I've learned about natural disasters, but we'll, uh, I, that is a great, a fun episode. And I can, I can share like, you know, the 10 or 15 hurricanes I've lived through myself. That would be wow. valuable for that one. Yeah. Ron DeSantis is a Florida's natural disaster. That's been gone going for years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird because it carried over from the previous natural disaster that was Rick Scott. But, you know, we won't get into that. <laughs> All right. Shall we do some recommendations? Well, hold on. I don't think actually. Let me let me correct myself. Rick Scott was not a natural disaster. He was a cryptid that was elected to office. So that's that was a different issue. <laughs> a supernatural disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Supernatural disaster. Some love crafty and monster from another dimension. Some cosmic horror that showed up on our planet yes. and got enough votes to run a state. it's like cyclopean (laughs) hellscape as hp lovecraft may have put it (laughs) yes 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 yes. with less racism of course right Uh, generally (laughs) generally, that's what we strive for so recommendations recommendations let's do it (laughs) recommendations Okay, so my recommendation is a band because I feel like I'm actually probably going to recommend two albums from this band at the time. Uh, you may all, I know, I'm I'm, I'm going to subvert the expectations. This is my tr- this is the other trick for the episode. Ha! <laughs> but everybody gets a treat. Before AFI was a radio rock kind of new wave band and lost a little bit of their oomph. They were a punk hardcore band, and there was a period of time where they were obsessed with the Misfits and obsessed with Halloween and dark things. I mean, they're still kind of obsessed with dark things, but it was a little bit different. It was a little bit more on the nose. There were three albums that they put out. There are two full lengths. I'm sorry. There's three albums and an EP they put out right around the same time that are all wonderful listens and definitely get you into that fall spooky spirit. So I'm going to recommend two. I'm going to recommend the All Hallows EP, which has a cover of the Misfits song Halloween. 
And it's a nice four song EP that's a lot of fun to listen to. Total Immortal is a fantastic song. And then Black Sails in the Sunset, which is a great full length and is really, I would say, their peak album. Now, if you want to get into the art of drowning and stuff after that, then sure, you could do that. But Black Sails in the Sunset, absolute banger of a record. Great fall record. Enjoy it. You know, I came to AFI a little bit late in the game because The Art of Drowning was my first album by them. Yeah. Which I really, really enjoyed. But when I went back and listened to Black Sails and the Sunset and the, the All Hallows EP, I definitely was like, yes, this this is where my groove is at. And then you're right. Then, yes. they, then they went the most Nickelbackian radio way that they could go and still be a sort of rock band. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work out really that well. They just put a new record. It's like, oof. Yeah, it is not the AFI I grew up with. Just be a different band. It's okay. You're allowed yeah. to be a different band, Dave Havoc. Yeah, yeah. No, no offense, guys. It's just not our bag anymore. And maybe you have a new audience, and good for you if you do. But those were good albums. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. I am going to recommend a petition. Mm. This is sort of Halloweenish themed. So there was a Netflix show that I can't remember if I've recommended or not. So maybe this is also a dual recommend like yours of uh, the show. The show Santa Clarita Diet. It's so good. It's so funny. Basically, zombie comedy sort of thing. There's a lot of sort of blood and it's definitely a radar sort of show or mature yeah. or whatever TVMA sort of thing but i loved love loved that show and then it got canceled right in the middle of the storyline there's a petition to bring it back they're shooting for three hundred thousand signatures they're getting really close so uh, i'll have a link to that in the show notes if you haven't watched it i recommend checking it out if you have watched it and you'd like them to bring it back so they can finish the show properly then sign the petition yeah and then we've also got a couple that's i mean that's fantastic because that show is so great and the actors on the writing on that is so good the the visuals are really really great and it's like yeah so over the top it's like i love i love drew barrymore in literally everything that she's in she is such a fantastic fantastic actress but uh uh timothy oliphant is really great in that too where he's just like just trying to do his best yeah he's just he's always just trying to be like what what can i do to help like he's just very much so like that it's great yeah it's wonderful really good uh, Alan has a couple recommendations. So he recommends Jimmy Kimmel post Halloween prank videos where uh, parents pretend they ate their kids candy, <laughs> yes. which I have not seen, but that definitely sounds like a lot of fun. It's interesting. What, like what types of responses come out of these kids? Like I anywhere from like tantrums to like throwing stuff and like getting physically aggressive. It's really wild. The other recommendation that Alan has shared is to go to Salem, Massachusetts during a non Halloween season. I mean, fall season is probably the best time to go see all that stuff anyway, but go in the late summer or early fall. It's gorgeous. Great food overlooks the water. You can rent bikes for free at the Hawthorne hotel and pedal around to see some of the filming locations from Hocus Pocus or just chill in a record store or a lobster festival. And I can, I can attest this new England is beautiful. So go definitely go visit New England and especially like I'm excited to visit around this time, too. Awesome. There are some people who help that make this show be a reality. And those are people who have joined us on Patreon. And for their generosity, we gift them as much as we can, which is early access to episodes, notes from episodes, videos of recording episodes, which usually has a lot of additional fun TVMA content as well as sort of the unedited episodes where we start and stop and we cut out certain things that are, are for the, their ears only. That list includes such people as Amanda, Justin, Justine, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, and Shauna. Thank you all for your support and helping to keep this show going. If you would like to join Patreon, you can do that thing. If you would like to support us and you don't want to do so financially, you can also just leave us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a little extra time, you can also leave us a review and that helps other people find us and listen to what we have to do. The other thing you can do that is neither of those things is just tell someone, Hey, you should listen to why we do what we do. It's great. And it'll yeah. be your favorite podcast. And that's it's the, super the, helpful the script to use. <laughs> yeah. It's super helpful. And, and legitimately it's one of those things where it's like, if you are a fan of the show, Telling other people about it or rating it at least gives us a little bit more exposure. It boosts us up in some lists and stuff and gets us to be able to access other people who might want to listen to. So it's super helpful, low response effort, and it's for free. And we really appreciate that. 
Perfect. If you would like to tell, uh, recommend an episode for us like Celeste did, if you are undead or have particular Halloween celebrations and traditions that you enjoy, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. Our handle is at podcast on all of those. You can also email us directly at info at www.podcast.com and we always look forward to hearing from people there. I think that's all I have. Do you have anything else? I don't have anything else myself. All right. Thank you to the whole team who helps make this happen. Shane, Britt, Selena, Kyle, Alan, Amber, and Justin. I think that is everybody. And thank you all for listening. And I think that's it. So this is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Thank you.